0: Hello everyone. Hope everyone's having a good day out there. A beautiful uh, fall day. I guess fall officially begins tomorrow. um, But it feels like it outside. Hopefully we'll get some rain pretty soon. we are back to our midweek has begun. This, is, this, this tonight will be our, our third week of that. And um, <clears throat> so we're back to our summaries of our class on Wednesday night. And the passage we're going to just discuss here briefly comes from 2 Corinthians 10 verses 1 through 12. Again, that's 2 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 12. Give you a second for you to press pause on your player there and, gonna, and, and read that passage. That'd be a good idea. And then we'll get back to it. Okay, hopefully you had the time there to read that passage of scripture. Now, there's a couple things we need to talk about before we jump into the text, and it's this. There is some debate, um, has gone on for a long, long time, and will continue to go on, I'm quite sure, about exactly what this passage, meaning 2 Corinthians chapter 10 through chapter 13, where this is coming from. There is an abrupt transition. Matter of fact, the end of chapter 9 looks kind of like a conclusion, and then boom, we jump into chapter 10, and it looks completely different than what comes before it. There's all kinds of different, um, oh goodness... uh, theories out there as to why this looks so different. And and in this passage, it is very clear that Paul is extremely angry. Um, He's angry with his opponents that have Come into kind of interlopers that have come into Corinth to stir up trouble. He's also very disappointed with the church for not standing up for him and for his authority in Christ. As we look at this passage, what we need to understand and and keep firmly in our minds that Paul was not a weak man, he was not insecure about himself or his faith. This is the issue, though. Paul was all about the gospel. And when people attack him, he took that as an attack upon his message, um, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He preached Christ crucified. He preached the risen Savior. Um, So he was not at all happy when people attacked him uh, and thereby attacked the message which he stood for. Now, um, this passage... Uh some say it's an entirely different letter that has gotten tacked on to the end of this. Some say it's it's a it's a letter from before that they took a chunk of it out and then threw it on the end of this letter. Some say that Paul just um got some more correspondence or heard some more about the situation at Corinth that frustrated and disappointed him, so he added this to the end of his letter. Whatever it is whatever it was and we will never have that answer in this lifetime anyway um we just know there is a big transition here now let's talk briefly um about Paul's opponents there there's some, also some different theories about exactly who they were, these these outsiders who came into Corinth and stirred up trouble. The first theory is, the first view verse theory is this, that they were Judaizers from the Jerusalem church. Um, there were many Pharisees who became believers. Um, now, not all of them, but some of them wanted to bring too much of Judaism into Christianity with them and foist that upon the Gentiles. Um, Judaizers were specifically the ones who were telling Gentile Christians that in order to to be a part of the church, they needed to be circumcised, and Paul had big issue with that. Matter of fact, the entire letter uh, from our New Testament, entitled Galatians, his his letter to the church in Galatia, um, is 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 all about that. Here's the thing: the problem with the theory of them being Judaizers in Corinth is is circumcision is never mentioned. So, so most likely they weren't Judaizers. Um, another theory is that they were Gnostics. Um, Gnostics were the ones who it was it was a early first century or i should say an early church first century um, heresy um, that that got its way into um, attacking the church in the first, second, third, and centuries, and even beyond of separating the physical world from the spiritual world um, we won 't get into that a whole lot and though there is some evidence of that in 1st and 2nd Corinthians is not nearly as glaring as what you see, uh, the the apostle John writing in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Um, so most likely this, this wasn't, uh, the opponents weren't Gnostics. Um, what, what I think probably makes the most sense after studying and, and also reading commentators, conservative commentators that I, that I trust, is that, um, these were, these opponents were indeed from Jerusalem, but they weren't Judaizers. Um, They were just simply coming from Jerusalem, trying to assert the authority of the Jerusalem church over the church in Corinth and probably over other Gentile churches as well. They brought this authority that they had in the form of letters of commendation, or uh, we would probably call them reference letters these days, um, from the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. Here's a problem. They came and began to disturb people and began to bring um, messages that there is no way that that James, um, the lead elder in Jerusalem, would in any way consent to the type of, of teaching that they were bringing. Um, so they were very, very much taking advantage of Of this authority they've been given and this authority was not legitimate because of the ridiculousness of their message specifically attacking the Apostle Paul and his authority basically what they're saying is Paul is not a Jerusalem Apostle in other words Paul did not see Jesus did not follow Jesus during Jesus's lifetime Therefore, Paul is not legit. Now, this is the this is the issue with that. Paul did indeed see Jesus, and he not only saw Jesus, he saw the risen, glorified Jesus um, uh, on his way to Damascus. So he indeed was an eyewitness of of Jesus Christ. So, anyway, all of that being said, those are these opponents, and this this these these next four chapters are written at them attacking them as well as, again, his disappointment with the church in Corinth for not standing up for him. So on that note, let's jump into the text. Kind of as we read through this, we see he he makes it very clear, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I follow the lead of Jesus Christ. In the first couple of verses, he talks about the meekness, the gentleness, um, Jesus Christ who was meek. Um, he, He was tied to Christ for a couple of reasons. First of all, Paul's authority came from Christ. Secondly, what better way to describe Jesus than by meek and gentle in his time here on the earth? He refused to assert his authority in a way that would compromise his mission. Um, and he expected his servants, and specifically his servant, the Apostle Paul, to do the same. Um so that that is probably why Paul, although he 's angry here he 's trying to take care of this in the form of a letter because he 's pretty much saying, if this letter doesn 't work i 'm coming back to corinth and it's it 's not going to be fun for you guys. when I come back, I will assert my authority all right then he moves in to talk about spiritual warfare um, we could, a, a great parallel passage of that is Ephesians six talking about the armor of God. Paul makes it clear that the the, the battles that we face in this world are not physical battles; they are spiritual battles um, against darkness um, and and verse 5 is pretty cool. Um, I'm gonna read that for you. He says, We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Here's something you need to understand. Paul is doing some quotation here. He's quoting actually Proverbs 21, 22, where King Saul of the Old Testament was saying, in Proverbs 21, 22, that a wise man, in, in when it comes to battle, a wise man will go infiltrate into the city of his enemies and tear down the tower in which they place their trust. Um, you do that, and the battle is half won. Um, now, here's the thing. Paul is using this spiritually, of course, and this is very much Paul's purpose in ministry. Things that people put their trust in, falsely. Uh, whether it be whether it be their their faith in their works, whether it be their their position in society or their jobs, you can even translate to some of that to today. He would do what he could to destroy their trust in those things and show them that that trust is not legitimate um thereby putting their trust in what is legitimate and who is legitimate, more specifically, Jesus Christ, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Well, we talked about in class, I won't get into it now, but the similarities between the teaching of Socrates uh, many, many years before Paul, and the teaching of the Apostle Paul. Um, their teaching methods were very, very similar. Although, unfortunately, Socrates, um, when he would show people that that their trust in these different things was was faulty, he did not have anything to give them in place of, of the trust that they now see is not worthy, um, not legitimate. Um, Paul did give them something, to put their trust in, their trust in Jesus Christ. All right, um, just continuing on. um, Paul, again, makes it very, very clear, verse 8, if the situation demands, he will assert his authority, he will come. Um, uh, He he says that very, very specifically. Um, Here's the thing, even when Paul is dealing with his opponents, his letters, all of Paul's letters in the New Testament um, were for one purpose, to secure obedience and repentance if necessary. And that's what he really, really wanted. And then as we wrapped all this up in verse 12, He makes it very, very clear, and this is something we can pull from today, and I don't think he's taking it too much out of context, Um, but specifically this, when it comes to the comparisons in life that we have, his opponents were comparing themselves to each other, Um, and and that's ridiculous. Um, well we are so tempted just to compare ourselves to other people whether it's in keeping up with the Joneses or whether it's looking down the ladder saying we're better than them or looking up to the ladder up the ladder and saying why can't we have it as good as them we compare ourselves to to others that doesn't work as followers of Christ who we are supposed to compare ourselves to is christ and and that will always put us in a position of humility um, a position of, of being humble because we will never measure up to Christ and he should be our model that we are reaching to attain. So that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, um, imitate me as I am imitating Christ. All right, so that's where we're at um, tonight, which is today is, is September 20th. Um, and tonight at midweek, we will be covering the second part uh, or the last part of First Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10. So specifically 2 Corinthians 10, 13 through 18. So if you can make it tonight, that would be great. And um, if you want to take a look at that ahead of time, that passage, that would be great as well. I hope you have a great remainder of your day, and we'd love for you to join us tonight. Um, We'll have a meal at 6 o'clock. I'm sorry, I don't know off the top of my head what we're eating tonight, but I'm quite positive it will be good. Um, Following that meal at 7 o'clock, we'll have classes for all ages. So come and bring the family. We'd love to see you. Have a good day.